Welcome to episode five of Democratic Campaign's podcast from the People's Summit in Chicago, Illinois. I am excited to be here with Shannon Jackson, Executive Director of Our Revolution and uh, Senior Advisor to Senator Bernie Sanders on the Bernie Sanders 2016 campaign. Thank you, Dan. Pleasure to be with you. Absolutely. Um, so, um, I just learned you were with Bernie for most of the, or a big chunk of the campaign. Yes, I was very fortunate to be one of the uh, first hires for the campaign and uh, took part in its growth from a handful of people to thousands upon thousands of staff and millions of voters. That's awesome. Uh, what's like uh, a couple of, maybe if you have a couple of drinks in you, like what are the stories <laughs> when you're like, you know, let me tell you what it was like. What were, what were a couple of fun Bernie stories? The night when we did, or the day we did, I think it was for March 15th when there was five states going, and so we made sure we did a rally in every state, um, and it was wild. And one of the things the senator would laugh about as we were cruising um, through a city or um, <laughs> uh, zipping in the motorcade is he'd say that here's this 74-year-old man who is uh, has white hair and uh, he has all these embeds from the news agencies who are, you know, recently out of college or young people generally, and they're the ones that are complaining about the speed that we're going. Uh, meanwhile, Bernie is trying to do more and more and more and pack more into the day. Is that right? Um, and it was funny. I mean, I literally, I had friends in the, uh, the news, uh, the embeds, and uh, they were always saying that, how does he keep going? How does he keep going? And I was just amazed. I learned a lot from the center. He, I think it is the people that fuels him. Really? It's the energy from when he's on stage. I mean, he gets off stage and he's giving his all. He's, there were times when we get off stage and he was drenched with sweat because you know, he was just so passionately talking about it and he was giving it his all. And then you know, we'd have shirts in the car and we'd go into the next rally. And I don't know of any, he is a force of nature. And I say that yeah. repeatedly. Um, and I was lucky to have been on that campaign with him and to now be carrying that energy of the campaign on through our revolution. Yeah, so he would uh, he would feel like when he's, his speeches were when he was like in the zone the most? Yeah, no, I think that's that's very accurate. Yeah. And it was, he hated making rope lines short. He wanted to have that opportunity to connect with the people, whether it was a five minute senator, you've, you've inspired me to be active, or it's senator, because of you and fighting for healthcare that my grandmother could live or my brother could live or different things. I mean, on the rope lines, which is after every speech, I'd meet him at the bottom of the stairs, grab his speech, and then I'd do the rope line with him. Yeah. Before we had ser ser Secret Service, I was his, You're the body, <laughs> his man, huh? body man, so I was uh, <laughs> his security. Um, and I mean, I don't mean this in any offensive way, but you don't seem to, you know, you don't look like a linebacker. I'm not a linebacker, <laughs> more of a, a cross-country runner. <laughs> But it was it was amazing the, uh, the the raw emotion the people that were really just Bernie went from being a uh, a local hero and uh, you know Uncle Bernie as people call him in Vermont do they some people do yeah to a rock star people screaming and crying and just overwhelmed that Bernie Sanders was talking with issues that mattered to them yeah and that could change their lives did you find was he sort of uh, would analyze the persona that developed and sort of say, like, man, this is really interesting that, that this thing is developing. Or was it, did he, did it feel like, yeah, you know, this is what it's like when I was mayor and like senator just happened to be here to stay. So, you know. 
No, I mean, the senator is a very honest man. He said in interviews and, uh, and speeches that he was he was pleasantly amazed at the, the energy this campaign took off the way it did so. And I think we're lucky in that in the leader, Bernie Sanders, he has constantly said, it's not about Bernie Sanders, it's about the message, it's about right. the issues, it's about the movement, it's about you. And you know, people, every, se every you know, senator and uh, politician traditionally will say it's about you. But I, uh, but Senator Sanders, that's his honest to God belief that you know, he's just the messenger. He's you know people can rally around him because he was the one that was going to run for a position. But yeah, it's the the message that he was the voice for and is a voice for. Yeah, uh, that really motivated him to continue. You know, he he seemed like his campaign uh, is more policy driven than most. I would say that's absolutely correct, and it probably drove the newscasters and the uh, talking heads crazy. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I guess so. One takeaway that I would, I guess, it asked whether it makes sense is that a bold message makes it a lot easier to say, "Look, it's not about me. You know, I'm just a person running for office." But free college, fifteen bucks an hour minimum wage. Medicare for all, if that makes sense to you, and here's your chance to go get it. It's, right, it's Accurate. easier to do that when, you're, when your platform drives the campaign as much as it seems to. No, you're right, and I think, I was once talking to uh, a good friend of mine, the comps director for the campaign, Michael Briggs, yeah. and yeah, we would, after having a long day on the road, we would you know, get together for, to share a bottle of wine or something before the next day. And we'd reflect on the campaign and the arc of the campaign. And um, one thing we came back to constantly was the idea that Bernie Sanders has had the same message for 40 years. And you, there was people that did an amazing job of this, splicing speeches that the Senator had given, whether it was in Madison, Wisconsin, or it was in California during the 2016 primary, with speeches he gave in Vermont when he was running for Senator or Representative, or in Burlington when he was running for mayor. Yeah. And it was the same issues, the same talking points, the same message being driven home. Yeah. And I think the conclusion we came to was that the American public has finally caught up with what Bernie Sanders has always been serving. Yeah. Can you tell, like, it never looks like he gets bored. Uh, <laughs> right? And, like, saying the same thing, but he never seems, like, never feels rote. It always feels like it, it's almost new to him every time he says it. And it or, or not that it's new, but it's almost like his... Outrage seems fresh. I think that's a great way to put it. He is incredibly passionate about these issues. And oh, for example, um, even in his work as a United States senator, as a senator, you have an office in D.C. which is policy based, and you have an office in Vermont which is outreach and casework, um, yeah. and you're supposed to connect with the. Um, the constituents. Yeah. And Senator Sanders, when he became a representative and then when he became a uh, senator, he dedicates more than half his half in, in state to casework. And he says, I have the ability to work on individual cases. Any time a person in state has a problem with the federal agency, be it the Veterans Affairs or Social Security or, you know, visa problems, yeah. the senator or your state representative can do requests on your behalf. And so he dedicated his staff really fixing the minute problems. I mean, they're not huge issues. If someone isn't getting a check, it's not going to be the, 
the issue that changes the, uh, the election result next time they run is, but he really cares about the people that elected him and the people that he represents. Huh. And so I think that correlates to the fact that he, when he's speaking on stage, I mean, he's, he's talking to people that have come out to see him speak on issues that they know he will touch on. That you know, speak that, personally to that. It's interesting. It reminds me of what people say about uh, former Congressman Lane Evans, who was uh, a Western Illinois real populist crusader. Uh, but they said his constituent casework was a top priority. Mm -hmm. And he sort of was committed to serving people directly. I didn't really bring to that to uh, It's not something that he really brings up, and I don't think uh, he ever would. I mean, it's just part of the job. For him. The fact that he, the things that he wants to message on, the thing that our revolution is now carrying on is the issues. Yeah. And the fact that we need to fight for Medicare for all, healthcare should be his human right. Yeah, um, and so I think I think it's an incredible feature of him and the type of leader he is. Yeah. So from your perspective, now sort of um, in many ways inheriting the energy of the campaign. It's a C four organization. Yes, it is. Uh, so it's not exactly the same with the restrictions, um, but you are um, correct me if I'm wrong involved in helping candidates, maybe identifying candidates, supporting candidates, and what uh, C fours can do. Correct. So our revolution is doing just that. We are helping candidates and progressives, uh, progressive champions, what I like to call them, yeah. um, succeed in their elections and run and have the ability to put their hat in the ring. Uh, but that's just one component of our work. Uh, On that one, and I'm sorry to interrupt. Sure. Tell me, from your perspective, from seeing Bernie Sanders up close and personal for out of a year and a half or something, um, what are what are you looking for when you think you know, this person saying he's going to run for mayor or state rep or whatever? What is it about a candidate where you're like, you know what, that person gets it? What what attracts you to a candidate? So, two part answer. Uh, first, when I'm speaking to potential candidates, candidates that have not announced because the C4 can't coordinate with uh, elections and things, but if a candidate at an event we're doing here and says, hey, I'm thinking about running for state representative or mayor. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'll listen to their elevator pitch and different things, but the first question I ask them is, what is it you want to change? What is the reason that you're running? I mean, you can, you know the talking points that I want to hear. You know that I want to hear that you're one in common work for everybody and that you want to, you believe in climate change and it's a primary focus of your campaign. But I want to actually get down to the point that what is the one policy you are going to fight the hardest for? And if you boil it down to your successes, when you look back, say you've elected, what is your first bill going to be? What is, you know, why are you running? Well, I mean, some people, everyone likes the idea of falling thin and fortune. Yeah. You know, a lot of times I think that fortune is not something that should be associated with um, becoming a politician. Right. But, um, if you want to make money, go into investment banking or something, right? <laughs> yes. Don't run for office. But the, the second part is, um, with our revolution, our process that we do for endorsements is yeah. uh, we base it a lot in the local power mm -hmm. and the, the groups we have. We have 264 groups around the country uh, growing every day and we want to make sure that the candidates we're supporting have the local support. And so I want to make sure that, you know, it's not just the mothership saying, oh, you know, that community over there looks great. I want to make sure that it's the people who actually bring the nomination of an endorsement request to national for us to say, you know, us in Massachusetts, we have, you know, Massachusetts is greatly organized. Um, 
it has 22 different state regions uh, it's cut the state in two so that you know they can work in their wow. communities and then go from there yeah and then they're endorsing you know a bunch of candidates but they send a national and say hey this is our priority candidates this is why we feel that it's not just a local support thing we need national to jump in this and that's the races I want to say all right let's look at their ideology let's make sure they're not you know axe murderers and then let's <laughs> <laughs> See, tell me why what the axe what is the filter. yeah that's true well you got to be careful you never know right right um, and so um, yeah, I'll just cut that out. So, five, four, three, two, one. Jumping back a little bit, um, when, you know, and I was a you know, Bernie delegate, so I was um, you know, actively involved. Um, so, when I say we, that's what I mean. Well, first up, thank you. Uh, no, for sure, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why I was, you know, fronting that for the audience. Right? But, like, uh, the, re I, the reason I say we, what did you see that, that our campaign started to do better over the life of the campaign, where you saw we started to win more or we were earning more votes? What, how did the campaign get better over time? That's a great question. Um, and I think there is evidence in almost every factor. I think yeah. when you look at our social media use, where we could talk about the digital side of things and the use of jumping on moments and whether it was the lifeblood of the campaign was the people. Yeah. And being able to use social media to get our message out. But also it was in that same that the lifeblood was the people. People were telling their friends, neighbors, and aunts, uncles, and everybody about why this spoke to them and why they were not letting a candidate that was preordained possibly by the DNC sure. just run away with it. But they were saying, you know what? Enough is enough. The status quo is not working. I want change. I want the message that Obama ran, the hope and change. Right. You know, he brought us many steps forward. But the fact is, it was not perfect. Right. And there was a, the torch needed to be carried on further. Right. They needed to take in a lot further. And I think the way that the grassroots came about and just lifted up Bernie as their champion and use that and continue to do that now with our revolution and the issues and continuing to organize. Mm -hmm. One of the things that the senators, I probably have the senator's speech memorized in my head, <laughs> after hearing it hundreds and hundreds of times in the campaign, yeah. but one of the lines that he would say towards the end of his speech um, was talking about how when Obama got into office, um, when he was campaigning, he was saying, you know, help me do this, we can do this, it's, that was the finish line. And the idea was when Obama got into office, he then said, all right, take it from here. Now yeah. that I'm president. Bernie would then come back in his speech and say, listen, when I get, if I'm able to get in office, when I get in office, um, that is day one that we need to continue to fight together. And I'm going to be coming to you to say, hey, this is the direction we need to fight for 15 and get this piece of legislation passed. I want to march on Washington. I want to get hundreds of thousands of millions of people to Washington to continue to have this voice of the people very evident ringing in the halls of Congress. Yeah. And I think the People's Summit this weekend is a great example of how that's continuing to happen. I mean, last year the People's Summit had 3,000 people. This year has 4,000 people. Is right? It's not. The movement is just getting started. Yeah. And I'm proud to be a part of it and a leader in the fight. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, Obama was the candidate of change. 
Hillary had a hard time being the candidate of change. Um, Hillary's not change. Well, that was the thing, and, and maybe she could have been, um, but um, it speaks to policy. I wonder whether you think it speaks to candidates willing to say, even if they've been around a long time, because you know Bernie's been around a long time too. Sure. But um, but he's always been pushing for change to happen. Right. He's never right. said this is enough. He's never said, you know, we need a livable wage and. You know, when people are, the nation is saying fight for 15, and Bernie has been saying that fight for 15, Hillary Clinton is saying, you know, what, what about 12? Right, right. It's uh, like negotiating it, against ourselves. And even on health care, it was health care is a human right. right. And Hillary would say, well, you know, health care should be improved in this country. Let's keep going for it. She never wanted the gold standard that we should be aiming for. Right, right. And, and, and how can you inspire a, a broader electorate? If you're not speaking to the frustrations they're facing, with no. the status quo. you're looking for band-aid solutions, and you're you're okay with half steps, right? Do you find your candidates um, are even with? Because look, he's also got a phenomenal record. Bernie has a great reputation, right? You can see the integrity. Being an independent, people love that. Uh, I happen to be a partisan Democrat, but people love that independence. Do you find your candidates that you guys are supporting? that don't have those independent credentials or sort of ethics that Bernie Sanders has, but you know, just sort of regular people, or you know, maybe they were you know, just a regular Democratic operative, but have that message and that policy, do you find that it's catching just as effectively? So again, I would cut the question in half. I think that the candidates that our revolution is endorsing, it's one of the huge pieces of the puzzle is the ideology. Mm -hmm. And I don't, we're not looking for somebody that's Compromised and has a speckled past, and it's not true. Um, we are looking for candidates. We're not looking. I mean, there's reasons we don't get into races when we see them being tied to corporate money and yeah. you know um, not believing in Medicare for all. Right. Uh, we have to have a set of standards, so we can't compromise on this. Otherwise, what do we stand? For? Yeah. Um, but I think I, I am seeing. The Democratic Party and the uh, the message of the the left, the liberals, yeah. uh, change. I mean, we're seeing that you can see this in a number of ways. Whether it's in the halls of Congress, where you know Bernie Sanders has introduced the same bill, fight for 15 or 100 by 50, or you know, take your issue. Yeah. Uh, and before you would get you know a handful, maybe maybe five co-sponsors. Right. And this year, when he introduced fight for 15 and other various pieces of legislation, he's getting upwards of 20 people jumping on board. Right, start. yeah. Uh, so I think the Democratic Party, you also look at the platform that was crafted after the campaign. Awesome. I mean, there was, the title I saw in every news story was the most progressive platform that Democratic Party has ever had. It was. Yeah, it was and it, it is. It, it remains. Now we have to make sure that all Democrats uh, who take on that title and say they're going to be Democrats run on those issues and don't, you know, teeter-totter and say, like, you know, well, that was a great idea they had to come together these two campaigns and then try to win the, the presidential didn't really mean much because it does mean a lot. I mean, that's the document that's supposed to drive the Democratic Party. Yeah, and tactically, do you argue and have you seen that putting aside the ideological uh, battle, if you will, just from pure tactical perspective, are you finding it's just better for a Democratic candidate to embrace the platform, embrace the, the, the bolder, ideology 
in order to energize that electorate and expand the base than it is to try to be sort of, I'm in the middle and I'm sort of tepid? I think, I think the progressives are very much coming to their own and saying, no, we're going to vote, we're going to be active, we're going to take over the Democratic Party, we're going to um, be involved in our communities. I think it's, they will be your strongest volunteers and the people that back you. And I say power to the people. Yeah. We're uh, the Democratic Campaigns Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, brought to you by Campaign Filer, campaignfiler.com, political software for political committees. Um, live now in Illinois soon with the feds, and soon we'll have the full fundraising set of features. Check it out at campaignfiler.com. Um, last two questions before you go, and thank you for your time. I know you're busy uh, helping to run this whole thing. Um, <laughs> So as we're facing into 2018, one of uh, you know, the leading voices in the Democratic Party, how do you feel about how we're shaping up to take back Congress? And what's your advice to candidates, campaign managers, operatives, as to how to capture that Bernie magic? I would hope they don't capture the Bernie magic. I would hope they embrace it. I would hope that they, they realize that I mean, there's lots of great slogans around this. People saying that we could use left is the future, you know, different things. Um, I think that the fact is <laughs> enough has been enough. Mm-hmm. We need to work for an economy and a country that works for all of us. Mm-hmm. And I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful. I, I mean, I'm an optimist at heart, so um, fault me as you will. But I, I look at the coming elections, whether it's state elections um, in the legislatures where we lost a thousand seats for the past, you know, what, eight years. Uh, you look at the House and the Senate, and <clears throat> I'm really hopeful that we can take up the House. I'm very, I, I'm excited with the candidates that are popping up and saying, you know what, I can do this. Yeah. I have talked to my community. I realize the, the issues in my district, whatever that, those lines may be. I'm going to stand up and raise my voice in a polite way and <laughs> talk about the issues I'm not. I'm not going to run for run's sake. I'm going to run because I believe in this country and my community and I want to make this better. And I, I, I look forward. Um, I get very excited about the races. I look, you know, I've talked to a number, numerous people running, uh, some close friends, some people that I've never heard of before. Um, and everyone has an idea as to how their unique situation with it. There's a woman woman running in Texas that says, listen, you know, Texas is deep red, but it is beginning to turn blue. And I would love to uh, be involved in races like that. I would love to be involved in races where, you know, it's as progressive as person B and they want to take it even further. I'm, I'm excited about every race. And, and our revolution takes pride in endorsing races. And really, um, that's a process that I make sure I have uh, a heavy hand in because it's it's important. I mean, these people are putting their, their lives on hold to yeah. run for office, and the people that I want to do everything possible and motivate people in their communities and get the word out and help them are the people that are doing this for selfless reasons because they want to make this country better. Yeah, they are. Candidates are, uh, they take enormous hits. It is, they're not paid. It's, it's a lot of candidates are investing their own money, and a lot of candidates don't have money to invest. Right, right. Especially in like the state house races. In yeah. Rural, rural, rural parts of the country, you know, it's it takes a few thousand dollars to run for run an effective campaign. Mm-hmm. And if, and that's what I love. When we did uh, endorsements in 2016, you know, we had 
106 campaigns we were involved with, and the majority of those were low, down ballot races. Yeah. And we do fundraisers, and we, we get their names out, and so it's we can invest, you know, a few thousands of dollars. That's a shot in the arm. That's like, oh my goodness, right. I can do another mailing. Right. I can make it to the debate. I can get my issues out there. I can, you know, there, it's so important to help people. Yeah. And, you know, there's people all around the nation, whether you're choosing to run yourself or you're saying, you know what, I want to help not just my own community, but people in Alabama. I want to turn a red state blue. I want to look for these areas where we can win. Um, the special elections we've had this year have been incredible opportunities, whether it's in Congress or it's in um, filling seats that Trump has used to um, fill for his cabinet. Um, they've been incredible opportunities, and we've seen that the progressives are coming out, and that yeah. they want to turn this. And the narrative is there. I mean, we've gotten so close in Kansas, yeah. getting closer in Georgia. We've gotten in, in Montana. Right. How, yes. how much voter state can you get in Montana? Yeah, right. <laughs> we got within six points. Yeah. And I think we're going to continue to see this trend, and then it's going to... I wouldn't say it comes to a head in 2018. I think the future is even more of where we're heading. It's not just 2018 that's going to happen and that's going to go away. Right. I think this is just the beginning of the long-term effect. Well, thank you. My two takeaways are for candidates um, that are platform. Um, it can be easy to forget, but it is our, the platform of a party. You know, the smartest people in the Hillary campaign and the Bernie campaigns work diligently. There were a lot of a lot of effort put into that. That is a phenomenal political document that we should be constantly using to uh, make our case uh, because it represents the best thinking of our party at this time. And I think maybe we uh, aren't using it as much in 17 or 18 as maybe we should. Uh, and the other takeaway is that we have to be the party of change because the, the voters we need to turn out, status quo is just not good enough. And we can't be defending the status quo. I'll leave you with one other thing. Yeah. Um, ben Jealous, who's uh, been a board member of our revolution um, and a friend of mine, once said to me, um, I don't know where it was. It could have been on the road during the campaign or it could have been after the campaign. But he said that in any moment in history, there's three parties. Uh, there's the party of hate. There's the party of fear. And then there's the party of the people. Huh. And I like to think that during the 2016 uh, election, Bernie Sanders embodied that party of the people, the voice of the people. The party of fear was this idea, I think the, the Clinton campaign embraced that by saying, if you don't vote for me, look who's going to be president. Right. If you don't do this, that's going to happen. And the party of hate, we can we obviously know who that is. Yeah. Um, and I think that we just need to do everything we can to make sure that the party of the people's voice is the party that the Democratic, Democratic Party embraces. Shannon Jackson, thank you. Hey, thank you.